Let's pray. Good evening, Lord. We are glad to be here, whether online or in person. We are glad to be in your presence. We thank you that you have joined us this evening. And we pray, Lord, that as we continue our journey to the cross, as I continue our journey to the open tomb, and that as we pause this evening at the Mount of Olives, that you'd bless this evening, bless these words, and through them, draw us closer to you and to one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This evening, we continue our journey, and we stop at the Mount of Olives. As you can see in the picture behind us, or behind me, we're looking at Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. It's, a, it's, it's called a mountain, but it's really just a ridge just east of the city. And as you look in the foreground, all that gray-looking stuff, it's a cemetery that's at least 3,000 years old. And people estimate that there's about 75 to 150,000 people buried there. And they buried people beginning in the valley and coming up the hill, up the ridge to the Mount of Olives. As you would expect when you visit the Mount of Olives, you see olive trees, lots of olive trees. There are those that estimate that some of these olive trees are at least 2,000 years old. When Marsh and I visited the Holy Land, and you're walking amongst these 2,000-year-old olive trees, it's almost surreal. You can almost imagine that one or more of these trees were like this big when Christ walked by them. Maybe not, but they were around. Some of them were around when Christ walked that area. The Mount of Olives has a prominent place in the New Testament. Christ oftentimes left his disciples and the people and spent time alone on the mountain to get away from things, to be by himself, to commune with his Father. On the Mount of Olives, Christ ascended into heaven. And it's on the Mount of Olives that we'll visit the Garden of Gethsemane a little later. This, this evening, though, we're going to visit the, the mountain, the mount, and we're going to look at it from two perspectives. And the theme is going to be weeping and singing. Now, we're not talking about weeping when I sing, as <laughs> some of you have. No, we're going to talk about Christ weeping and Christ singing. And so we begin with Christ weeping. Christ and his disciples are on his way to Jerusalem. And he pauses at the Mount of Olives and he says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had known this day, what would bring, what would bring you peace? But now it is hidden from your eyes. And that doesn't include the entire narrative, because we also read, Christ says, for the days shall come upon you when your enemies will throw up a bank before you and surround you and hem you in on every side 
and will level you to the ground, your children within you, and they will not leave you in one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Christ looks out over the city of Jerusalem and he sees what is going to happen to that city. And he weeps. But he could have also rejoiced. Rejoiced that that city that rejected him, those people that ridiculed him, those people that took up stones to kill him. He could have rejoiced that, yes, their day is coming. They are going to be judged. They are going to get what they deserve. But instead, he weeps. He weeps because he loves them. He weeps because he has mercy. He's compassionate. He could have looked at, over that city and all the rejection, all the ridicule. He, could, he knew it was coming. He, if he goes back to the city, there's more rejection, more ridicule, and death. He could have said, I'm stopping right here. I'm not going any further. I'm done. Let those people figure this out themselves. But because he has compassion, he weeps. And because he weeps, he continues his journey to the cross. The question for us this evening is, how do we respond when we look out at the people around us, at our nation? We see Christ being ridiculed. We may have been ridiculed ourselves because of our faith. We see the church and Christianity being pushed to the margins of society. And even there are those who would want to stone the church, to stone Christ, to stone Christianity, and just get rid of it. How do we respond? Do we respond in anger? Frustration? Maybe we would hope the earth would open up and swallow a few of those people. Christ asks us, though, to respond with a tear. In his sermon, he says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Christ said, I will bless you if you weep, if you lament, if you mourn. I will comfort you. I will lift you up. I will sustain you. I will calm your fears. Christ asks of each of us, as we look out over the landscape and we see Christianity, we see ourselves maybe being ridiculed, rejected, that rather than respond with anger, hoping the earth opens up and swallows a few people up, that we respond with a tear, with compassion. Christ responds to us in that same way. Christ looks at us and says, how many times have you rejected me? How many times have you walked away from me? How many times have you just not seen how much good I have to offer you? He cries over the city of Jerusalem because they, he offered them so much peace. And they walk away from him. As we visit the Mount of Olives this evening, 
we see Christ weeping. And he asks us, as we look out over the world and our nation and our neighborhood, and we may be rejected, he asks us not to respond in anger, but to respond with a tear. Now the second part, our second visit to the Mount of Olives. Our gospel lesson this evening says that after the disciples and Jesus had finished their meal in the upper room, they sang a song and then they departed for the Mount of Olives and Gethsemane. I sometimes wonder, what did Christ sound like when he sang? Did he sing on key? Was he a baritone or a bass? We don't know, but he sang. And he sang knowing that he would soon suffer and die a horrible death. He sang going to the Mount of Olives. He sang because music is such an important part of who we are as Christians. Think about it, folks. In a worship service, what moves your soul? What causes your soul to soar? What comforts your soul? What renews your soul? Is it listening to the readings? A sermon? Is it the prayers? Is it coming to his altar for communion? Is it hearing those words, you are forgiven? All those touch our souls. But I would suggest to you that for many people, maybe most people, that in a worship service, what moves somebody's soul, whether it's to comfort their soul, stir their soul up, renew their soul, it's the music, it's the hymns that lift us up. Christ sings because he knows and he sets an example for us of what touches his soul and what touches our soul. Philip Yancey in his book about grace talks about how we reach out to people. And what's one of the most powerful ways to reach out to people is through music. Whether it's on the radio, whether it's through somebody's computer, whatever. People remember a message that is sung. Have you ever heard that, that thing, I got that tune in my head and I can't get it out? People remember music. And, and what people are showing is that more and more people are learning their theology, learning about Jesus through song, through music. It's what they remember, it's what they hear repeatedly. Christ has given us this wonderful gift of music. It's an amazing gift that he's given us to communicate with him and him with us. We're blessed with this wonderful bunch of music people here. Thank God for people that can sing, that can play the piano, that can do all that. Our congregation is blessed with a wonderful music ministry. And it is so critical to who we are as Christians. For the outline of the service this evening, the person who put a lot of this together, here's what he writes. When Christ leaves, he is singing Psalm 149. 
And he says, here's where 149 comes up huge. The praises of God are in their mouths like a double-edged sword in their hands. When the praises of God are in our mouths, they are like a double-edged sword, silencing our sobbing, sighing, and feeling sorry for ourselves. When biblical truth is set to music, it becomes memorable, teachable, transformational. When the heat is on and the stress is up, sing. Sing hymns and songs. Sing because of God's power. Give your stress to your Heavenly Father. Ask Him to help. You don't have to pull and sweat alone. That's what Jesus teaches us at the Mount of Olives. That's why we sing. When things go south in the waiting room, the living room, the boardroom, the classroom, the conference room, or the emergency room, don't panic. Don't sing your old song, woe is me, poor me, about me, look at messy, miserable me. Instead, sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done marvelous things. This evening, as we have visited the Mount of Olives, we see Christ weeping. We see Christ singing. As we continue our journey to the cross through this Lenten season, let's do it with a song in our heart and a tear in our eyes. Amen. And now we hear those wonderful words from Jude. Unto him who was able to keep you from stumbling. Unto him who was able to lift you up and present you faultless and blameless before his throne. Unto him be all honor and glory, power and might, now and forever. Amen.